HE News, episode number 21. of Health Empowerment News with Prop Woodruff. This week, the swine flu, H1N1, conspiracy, revisited. Welcome back to Health Empowerment News with Croft Woodruff. My name is Andrew McGivern, and I'm here in the Vancouver studio with Croft. Hello, Croft. Good afternoon. How are you today? I'm doing well, and today we're going to revisit the H1N1 swine flu epidemic and everything that's gone on since. And recently, there's been a lot of news stories about the H1N1 uh, hitting India again, investigation into a possible conspiracy uh, with some ties to Big Pharma, the people that were supplying the World Health Organization with information. And the WHO has actually gone on to some of the social media sites like Twitter and have been distancing themselves from these people who they relied on pertinent information in order to create this this pandemic fear in order to uh, get everybody vaccinated. What do you think of that, Croft? Well, I guess you could call that, what, psychosomatic disease? disease caused by uh, scaring people uh, into a negative state of mind, which uh, can impair their immune system and make them more susceptible to illness than they would otherwise be. The problem is, of course, is that uh, there's money to be made with these vaccines. And uh, from the standpoint of the the developer of the vaccine and one of the most notorious ones, uh, his name I forget, but... Uh, he's an inventor of vaccines that have been implicated with uh, causing uh, autism in children and anti-diarrhea uh, vaccines I'm thinking of, and of course, I guess, flu vaccines as well. We're fooling around with foreign proteins and, and other uh, chemicals that we're injecting into the bloodstream of young people particularly whose immune systems are not fully developed, and uh, they become compromised and then on the other hand, just depending on uh, on the overall status of health of a population, will determine how susceptible they're going to be to um, a flu epidemic that is caused by fear-mongering. Because I think that's what we're looking at, is uh, they, they plant a seed of fear, and the, the result is, is that uh, people imagine themselves into being sick, uh, where otherwise they wouldn't be if if these matters were dealt with in a more practical way, that you can strengthen your immune system by changing your diet and improving the quality of your diet. When you're dealing with these massive populations where uh, food can be uh, of poor quality, can be contaminated, maybe in short supply, then you're wide open for anything. And it not, doesn't necessarily mean that it's caused by a virus, but these other circumstances People become ill because of a vitamin or mineral deficiency. People become ill because they are poisoned from some toxin in the food chain, like pesticides and herbicides. And this business of these vaccines supposed to be preventing the disease. Well, we saw what happened here in our own bailiwick here in British Columbia, 
there was no epidemic. And only a few months ago, we were told that they had about, was it about 80-odd million dollars worth of vaccine that they're going to have to discard because it has uh, expired. And obviously, what they did have wasn't any good anyways because it didn't work. I think they, uh, they got a flu anyway. Mm-hmm. And it goes, it goes a lot more beyond this. The mainstream media was really focused on, on getting the message out that everybody needs to be vaccinated. Now, some of the mainstream media are reporting that this could have been a big conspiracy. The WHO has taken to Twitter in order to distance themselves from these people who have been sending them this information about the, the pandemic or the possible you know, risk of a pandemic. And it's clear that, it's, that it, it is overhyped right from the beginning. And a report that just came out of the Council of Europe has come up with some devastating conclusions. A declaration of a pandemic led to a waste of huge sums of public money, a distortion of priorities in public health services, the provocation of unjustified fear, and the creation of health risks through vaccines and medications that may have not been sufficiently tested. And this is coming from mainstream media sources in in Europe. And they are under investigation there because it's it's just it's ridiculous what you know a little bit of a little bit of information twisted and sent in to, through official channels, and next thing you know we've got a late night or sorry mainstream news almost uh, fear entertainment it seemed like what it was. Yeah. Well, the, the problem is, of course, is uh, what do they make these vaccines out of? Uh, foreign proteins that can set off uh, immune responses when they're injected into the muscle tissue or, the, or into the bloodstream. You have chemicals uh, like the mercury and uh, aluminum compounds and other compounds whose toxicity really hasn't been fully understood, if at all. You have a situation where uh, if, if uh, the vaccine causes something, well, they can, they can say, well, we had the wrong batch, or, um, uh, you know, it was a different virus, or they have all kinds of excuses to get out from under but the bottom line is is that these vaccines, I think, are causing more problems than what they solve. Certainly, we have this whole ongoing uh, situation with regard to the connection between vaccines and, and childhood autism and some of these metals like mercury and aluminum salts that are in these vaccines are believed to be directly implicated in, in causing autism. But that, that's not to say that uh, adults themselves can't be uh, adversely affected by being injected with mercury and, and aluminum salts, as well as these other foreign proteins. Foreign proteins, of course, come from the diseased tissues that, in which the vaccines are incubated in, like monkey tissue, for instance, or perhaps rodent tissue, for all I know, or dog or, or, or cat or whatever. But they say, you know, it just seems that immunology as it stands today it's more like witchcraft, you know, eye of newt and tongue of toad. And they seem to think that health can be obtained out of uh, vaccines derived from or incubated in the diseased tissues of, of, of other animals other than human beings. And, uh, and that's not to say that I say, would say that they should be incubating the vaccines in human beings. I think there are better ways to be dealing with uh, potential viral infections 
and that is by boosting the body's immune system so that it can cope with uh, influences uh, that we are exposed to, whether it's in the food or the air we breathe or the water we drink. But all of these areas have to be addressed uh, as sources of, uh, of possible illness. Uh, certainly we have big problems with pollution these days, and uh, I can imagine what it's like in in third world countries where the, the sewage facilities are <laughs> probably not there at all. Uh, and, it's, and you have the breakdown of the, uh, even in, uh, in modern societies in, uh, in Europe and in North America where uh, because of the lack of tax money, municipalities aren't able to uh, uh, maintain uh, the quality of delivery of uh, potable water as well as the tr- treatment uh, and dispersal of, of uh, sewage. So, and of course, above all, diet. Diet is everything. You are what you eat. And, and of course, when you look at the, the quality of the food in the marketplace, it's sugar, sugar, sugar. And sugar is an immune suppressor on its own right. White cell activity can be suppressed for a period of five hours for every uh, teaspoon of white sugar ingested. So you get a 10-ounce uh, uh, can of uh, soda that has about 10 teaspoons of sugar, you've got about 50 hours of impaired immune function because the white cell activity is, will be reduced by as much as 50% for uh, each, I think it's five hours, for each teaspoon of uh, sugar consumed, you have an impaired immune system for a f- five-hour period. So 10 teaspoons... Uh, that's about 50 hours that a person's immune system has been uh, attacked or suppressed because of, of the immune-suppressing effect of sugar. And, of course, so we're eating a lot of foods that are re- over-refined. Uh, minerals and vitamins have been taken out, and we're just left with starches and sugars and, and certain uh, oils that may, in their own right might be harmful. And uh, this stuff is allowed in the marketplace. We're seeing recalls of stuff that hasn't been properly processed, and uh, this goes on and on and on. And people have to get back to the basics of uh, what are they putting into their bodies? What are they eating? And for one thing, we're not getting enough of whole foods, which means vegetables and whole grains and whole fruit. Everything is, is processed or raised in a way that the cheapest way possible. And that means that the quality and for nutritional value is not likely to be there. That's where we're getting our epidemics from, I think, is people eating too much of the wrong things. And uh, everybody's body has the same uh, status as far as uh, uh, immune efficiency is concerned. So they're going to be more susceptible to, to an epidemic. I think sometimes it's a miracle that we don't have more epidemics than what we do. But I think, too, it has a lot to do with people are becoming more conscious of what they're putting into their body in terms of the quality of food. And uh, that, that can make a big difference. But certainly, I don't think they're going to find answer to disease in a hypodermic needle with injections of uh, foreign proteins and, and toxic chemicals. So a lot of what you're talking about right now is prevention. So what about when there is an epidemic? Is there anything, do you ever recommend or believe that vaccines are, are warranted? I no, I, I don't see any value for vaccines at all. Uh, I think that, for one thing, uh, if a person is concerned about coming down with an illness, then then they should they should cut out all refined carbohydrates. That's white sugar, white flour, and 
anything made with these things, and they should stay away from uh, artificial colors and artificial flavors because these chemicals ca- can have an adverse effect on immune function as well. And, uh, and also they should concentrate more on whole foods of uh, vegetables and fruit and whole grains and go easy on, on animal protein. Uh, it requires a tremendous amount of meta- metabolic energy to break down animal protein. I mean, that's why we make hydrochloric acid in our stomachs. Uh, and we need that to literally tear the protein apart so that the body can utilize it properly. With, uh, with, with whole uh, foods like starches and uh, vegetable protein and uh, uh, these sort of things, uh, they're much easier uh, digested and assimilated and utilized. And, of course, drinking potable water, pure water, is very important. And certainly vitamin supplementation. Vitamin C is a powerful antibacterial and antiviral agent. And uh, people don't, uh, really don't get enough. And if they're, if they're consuming an awful lot of sweets and that, then uh, they're leaving the door wide open because uh, it becomes a battle between, uh, you know, uh, too much sugar and, uh, and, uh, and the, the, the vitamin C can only do so much. During the, the swine flu pandemic, people who were speaking out against the vaccine and against the whole mass media f- frenzy against the, the epidemic or against the, the swine flu were labeled as on the fringe. You were on CBC radio and you were debating a, a medical doctor on the issue. And, and of course, there was Chris Shaw talking about the ingredients of the vaccines, the squalene and the adjuvants and, and the connection to neurological disorders. Now we've got the Council of Europe investigating the World Health Organization. And I'll just read from, I believe his name is Ray um, Moynihan, a journalist that wrote an article about this whole, this whole issue. And he says that a series of investigations have been launched into how authorities handled the swine flu, with the damning Council of Europe report one year after it was first completed. It originated from a motion tabled in the 47-nation parliamentary assembly titled Fake Pandemics, a Threat for Health. It identified three key problems. First, WHO's excessive response and pandemic declaration. Second, excessive secrecy surrounding decision-making. And third, the possibility of undue influence by drug companies through financial ties to key decision-makers. The report explains that the WHO description of the definition of a pandemic was actually changed in May 2009 after the first case of swine flu were reported. The change seemed to have removed the requirement that the virus impact be severe before a pandemic was declared. The report also cites within the scientific community that the WHO rapidly moved towards declaring pandemic level 6 in June 2009 when swine flu presented relatively mild symptoms. It went on to state that the declaration of the pandemic was only made possible by changing the definition and by lowering the threshold for its declaration. But it was this all-important declaration which triggered pre-pandemic planning that would move to the highly lucrative drug industry. Pharmaceutical companies had a strong vested interest in the declaration of a pandemic, the report states. At the same time, the membership list of the WHO's 16-member emergency committee, which was instrumental in declaring the pandemic, remained secret, a lack of transparency strongly attacked by this report. The British Medical Journal 
published its own journalistic investigation revealing that specialists with financial links to the drug industry were intimately involved in WHO pre-pandemic planning. For example, the WHO guidance for antiviral medicines, including Roche's Tamiflu, was authored by an influenza expert who at the same time was receiving payments from Roche. The British Medical Journal also exposed the identities of three members of the Secret Emergency Committee, including one with financial ties to the pharmaceutical industry. As part of the call for the major cleanup, both the British Medical Journal and the Council of Europe want health decision-making bodies to be entirely free of members with financial ties to drug makers. And it goes on. But, uh, Croft, what do you, what do, what do you think about, about that? You have, obviously, conflicts of interest because uh, they have a vested interest in the, in the vaccines themselves. And, of course, they also uh, get paid for re- telling lies, really, when it comes down to it. Uh, you have, like I ran up against a, a general practitioner who's trying to tell me that mercury is not toxic, that aluminum is not toxic. I mean, uh, these are the kind of people that uh, the media relies on for, for information. And, uh, and, it's, it, and, of course, as I say, it's just outright propaganda. And, and they get away with it. There's no accountability at all when these things go wrong. And, of course, it is the gullible public that ends up by paying the price. I think they're going to get health out of a needle. The, the doctor, the gentleman that you were debating, he said that you get less mercury from, the, from a swine flu injection than you do from a tuna fish sandwich. Yeah, well, of course, uh, there's one thing about your digestive system. It does censor these things, so you'll only absorb so much. But in the case of a vaccine, you're inje- putting it either right into the muscle tissue itself or else into the bloodstream. And uh, so it, the you, something like about 91% of our immune system is through the gut. And uh, so uh, what are these people talking about? They, uh, they're very dangerous people because uh, they lead a lot of people down to uh, a lifetime of illness and or worse. So now these these accusations that are now coming against the swine flu pandemic conspiracy, they're not coming from veteran conspiracy theorists anymore. The, the people who are now criticizing the WHO and the pharmaceutical industry for this this conspiracy which is a, is an accurate is an accurate description they're they're coming from places like the British Medical Journal the Council of Europe all sorts of other doctors who were previously silent are now coming out and speaking out against this whole scenario in the future do you think this kind of situation is going to happen again or are we going to put safeguards in because remember it did happen in 1976 as well Wherever there's a potential to uh, make a lot of money, I'm afraid that you're going to find skullduggery when it comes to science and medicine, as you will anywhere else. And uh, this has been the case with these vaccines in the past, uh, vaccines that didn't work and in many cases caused more problems than what they were supposed to prevent. And it's always that way when there's profits to be made. And, And of course, eventually, of course, you get scientists people who have standards, ethics, who recognize what is going on, and, and they, they uh, will speak up and, uh, and hopefully be able to um, you know, sound the alarm. But unfortunately, we have a media that does very little investigating these days. It, uh, just, uh, they're quite happy to get the press release and, and uh, pass it on. Yeah, well, it was a, I couldn't believe how much coverage the, the swine flu got 
during the height of the pandemic, and there wasn't a pandemic. <laughs> they sold an awful lot of vaccines, didn't they? You know, and I remember in this province, uh, British Columbia, they had. Uh, it turned out that all this vaccine that they had purchased, I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of eighty to ninety million dollars worth, they were going to have to dump because uh, it was expired. They had been too optimistic, and um, and of course uh, they didn't have an epidemic. Now they're trying to tell us that there is one coming, anyways. I guess I figure if they keep guessing long enough, they might hit the mark. There has been some cases of swine flu returning in India. Uh, there's been a number of deaths, but remember back during the swine flu epidemic several months ago here, they reported each and every death of the swine flu, which just added to the hysteria. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we've got a regular seasonal flu that we have, well, there's, there's, there's about three to four times as many deaths from the regular seasonal flu as there was from the swine flu, but you don't hear it on the radio. They don't report every death. Oh, a child just died and somebody's grandpa just died and this, that, and the other. It just They don't report it because it's just it's just normal normal death rate from a, from a regular seasonal flu totally different scenario with the swine flu when you put these deaths under a microscope and put a human face to the to the, to the person and tell a story and it, it just causes a panic you might find that the death has uh, actually been induced by the treatment that they received and you know when you look at some of these uh, not just the vaccines but uh, some of these drugs i thinking particularly of uh, something like tylenol which can bring on liver failure and, uh, and some of these other uh, uh, so-called antiviral drugs, uh, or pain, anti-pain drugs particularly, of which Tylenol is, uh, is uh, the one that is apparently the most prescribed. So um, who's to say how much of these deaths are actually iatrogenesis caused by the physician uh, and the treatment uh, administered by the physician rather than by other causes? But Again, it goes back to you are what you eat, and it, it, these these epidemics tend to follow the dietary pattern uh, of uh, you know summer holidays. People are out uh, eating all kinds of sugar sweetened uh, sodas and uh, fruit juices with very high uh, sugar content, and and of course uh, other things like candy and that. Uh, and, and not getting enough uh, of the vitamins, minerals, and fiber that they really need to maintain, you know, a balanced uh, state in their body. And that is never accounted for. But this is what's going on all the time. And so uh, uh, you can be sure that, I guess, if they've had a very profitable season in terms of ice cream and candy sales, so you can expect a good flu season in the fall. And then, of course, after Christmas uh, holidays yeah, well, as well. Christmas time or after Christmas and New Year's, you've got about two weeks of celebration and overindulgence, uh, everything from alcohol to, uh, you know, uh, turkey and, and uh, pork and, uh, and I guess, uh, beef to an extent and lots of sweets and maybe not enough vegetables. Uh, people turn up their uh, nose at Brussels sprouts, for instance. Uh, but uh, the bottom line is, is that there's a price to be paid for that. And the people who eat sensibly and concentrate more on, on the whole foods and very easy on uh, the, uh, the refined carbohydrates as well as uh, animal protein requires a terrific amount of, of metabolic energy to digest animal protein. 
and and I think this is one reason why, as a as a rule, vegetarians tend to live longer than people who are heavy into eating animal protein. Anything more to say on the swine flu conspiracy, Croft? Well. The bottom line is that the vaccines are very profitable. This has been quite a bandwagon that uh, the pharmaceutical industry has been on. And now we have other problems that they don't seem to have any answers for, like HIV. And, uh, and of course, we're also uh, looking at the, the fact that they're not really paying as much attention to nutrition as they should be, and and this the situation in places like India, where they're they're having these uh, the swine flu epidemic uh, popping up. Well, look at the diet of these people, and uh, and uh, how the quality of their food. And of course, now that we're into using pesticides and, and herbicides, these uh, are going to influence the quality of the uh, 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 vegetables and fruit and grains that are grown on these soils that are so treated. And, and of course, people are ingesting it, and the body's got to deal with that. So there are other issues that are going to have an influence. And the only answer is, is that watch what you put into your body. and watch, uh, watch what you eat, because you are, in effect, what you eat, the sum total of not only what you eat, how well you digest it, and how well you eliminate it. So uh, the bottom line is whole food, clean, potable water, and uh, fresh air, and and, uh, sunshine. Okay, there you have it. And I will put a a link to all of these articles and uh, the WHO report, uh, or the WHO uh, Twittering on on Twitter, defending themselves, saying they didn't know, and that they're not guilty. Also, the ABC article, the Swine Flu Conspiracy article, and the British uh, medical journals uh, report on the inappropriate behavior of the WHO. And so that'll all be there at www.foodsornotdrugs.com. And uh, Croft is motioning to me. I'm not sure what he's saying. It's the almighty dollar. You know, everything has to, everything has to be at a profit. And there's been a lot of profit in these vaccines, but I think there's a few of these turkeys that are coming home to roost now, and they're doing more harm than good. Uh, I think the autism epidemic is a perfectly good example of, of uh, what has happened with, uh, with these vaccines, toxic proteins, toxic minerals like uh, aluminum and, and mercury. And that's just basically the, what we're going to have to be putting up with. And I see some interesting articles about children being cured of their autism with chelation therapy. What are they chelating out of the system but toxic minerals like aluminum and, uh, and also uh, fluoride? Yeah, and we've talked about that in a previous episode. And profit, I don't, I don't really have a problem with profit. Just excessive profits to the point where they can control the media, control the people who are supposed to be regulating them and and control the the World Health Organization to the point where they're creating a marketing campaign for their product. It's a marketing campaign for profit, of course. And uh, and of course, uh, you know, prevention is everything. And it is the cheapest route to go. But uh, as one physician said, it doesn't put any cornflakes on his table. 
All right, so uh, go to www.foodsornotdrugs.com. Check out the show notes. You'll see the links to all the, the articles and everything that was there. If you want to give us your opinion, ask a question, comment on this episode, call the numbers on the, at www.foodsornotdrugs.com on the top right-hand side of the, of the screen. You'll see the dial-in access numbers to get a hold of us, and uh, we can get your comments on to the show. Have a great week, and we'll see you again next week. It's been a pleasure, Andrew, and uh, again, we'll see you next time.